You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Helen Farmer with you on this week's Farmer's Kitchen. We were broadcasting live from Banyan Trees, getting the scoop on what to eat here, of course. It was industry insider Marvin Albali, who's the best-selling author of Restaurant Excellence. What is the secret sauce to a successful restaurant? Why is consistency so key? And of course, not cutting food costs, but managing them. We were chatting to Chef Orod from the incredible Asil restaurant about his background and what's on the menu. Chef George Lyons of Broadway at the Mandan Oriental on hand as he talked about dinnertainment. And uh, tell you what, get ready for his dream menu too. Lam Jamal of Mamalu Kitchen giving us a bit of home advice for entertaining. And it was Courtney Brandt who was on hand as we talked about where to go over the weekend and running down the latest food news. From homegrown heroes and local restaurants to far-flung travels and destinations, Courtney Brandt is the one in the know. You've just come from having some lunch. Where have you been and what have you been eating? I have been at Takahisa, which is just on property here. Very quick commute for me. It is my favorite omakase in the city. They are generous. They, it's like going to Japan without leaving Dubai. We are broadcasting live from the Banyan Tree this week. So what did you eat? What was, uh, what was the highlight? I have been many times. I was invited to come back tomorrow night. So I will enjoy all my seafood and everything tomorrow night, as, as well as beef and other just wonderful. There was, it was my first time having ramen there, and oh, I really yeah. loved it. It's, do you know what I love about the Banyan Tree? There is no construction. You get the horizon and nothing else at this beautiful mm. property. Takahisa is a wonderful, come for sundowners, make it a whole thing. Oh, love yeah. the sound of this. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we've got you in today. It's been a big week on the food front, um, especially food news. Uh, we're going to be talking about headlines such as Have High Prices Killed the Joy of Trying New Restaurants? We're going to be talking about where to go, uh, Gulf Food, where you're going to be. But let's talk about the new 50 best list. Now, for context, would you mind explaining, I guess, about the little, about the history, the origin, the significance of the world's 50 best and its position here in the Middle East as well? Certainly. It's an excellent question. So it is a global list, um, which is announced annually. They have broken it into regions and our own Mina's list were on year three. Okay. Um, it is a very big deal. Uh, it, it celebrates chefs. It celebrates the hard work they do. And uh, I don't think I'm giving anything away because it was announced uh, earlier this week. So Orfali brothers have retained their whoop, number whoop. one spot. Yes, we're very proud of Mohammed and his brothers and the whole gang. Ed Sheeran went there. I saw that. <laughs> and it was the only restaurant he went to in Dubai. So I, I texted chef after. I was like, did, did Ed Sheeran? Yeah, okay, he was there. Well, Ed Sheeran has great taste. Well, there you go. Yes. So, as you said, Farley there, uh, Wassel 51, yes. uh, while Wassel Road has retained the number one spot. But let's let's run through. Let's do. Because Dubai was incredible. So really. this is what I want to ask you in terms of representation. When we're talking about Middle East. Which which countries are getting a spot? Everybody. Um, I mean, it's a huge region. Uh, shout out to Academy Chair Claudia Debrito. Uh, she's got a big job there. But it, it is everywhere. You'll see Jordan. You'll see Egypt. You'll see Qatar. You'll see KSA. You will see everyone. So to, to really hone that into 50 spots and to see Dubai really, really uh, dominate. Kind of dominate. And I'm going to give it a shout out very quickly. 
my boca is at number yeah. 17. Omar, we love you. It's and been so, yes. it's been long overdue yeah. and so, so, so well deserved. I just sent exclamation points to him. And to Stasha and the 21 Grams team coming in at number 32. One of my favourites. By the way, if you're looking for a good breakfast spot this weekend, 21 Grams, whether... Well, she's out and about as well, selling pies at Al Sakal. But I would say go to the one close to Alfania. It's just amazing, amazing eggs, pastries, really good hospitality. So 21 grams. Can't go wrong. In that 50 best. So Dubai's taken the top four spots. 100%. So as you said, Ofali Brothers, number one. One of your favourites, Tristan Studio, Studio, taking number two. Number three, Oceano, there Atlantis. And Moonrise coming in at number four. Coming way up the list. So very, very proud of, of this city and the country as well. So I'm going to give two more shouts. One to Row on 45, a new entry, uh, Jason you? Atherton at number 41. And then uh, to Chef Luigi in Abu Dhabi, uh, to Leia by Antonio Guida at number 48. So a little, some shakeups this year. You can always rely on this list, though. There is, as you we can go for breakfast, we can go to our folly and just have a lunch. There is anything and everything for everyone. Uh, Reef Kushiaki making appearance, Bait Mariam, shout out. Um, Kinoya. Kinoya. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gaia, we've seen low in there. And some big names, you know, your LPM Dubai um, in there Junes, as well. Chef Kelvin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We love, we love. So it, I, I think it is a really, really um, solid list. Do you feel like, I mean, you mentioned there, it, the Boca has been a long time overdue in inclusion. Do you feel like there's anyone that's maybe conspicuous by their absence in this list, Courtney? I, I was having this conversation just over at Takahisa, and I, I do think that there is, Takahisa being one of the, the restaurants I wanted to see, they are kind of newer into the market. I also, I, I have a place for like Lila Takiera. Um, so, you know, it's it's... We are the region that will change the most. We are a different region to Europe, to Asia. So that's the thing I like about the Mina's list is it will change kind of dramatically or, or drastically year to year. And I love that about it. What we'd love to hear from you guys. Do you feel like there is a restaurant that you think deserves more credit? You know, one that you feel like is a, a hidden gem or is constantly overlooked? 4001. Um, give us your hot take. We can talk about where to go this weekend. Courtney Brandt is in the studio. We are broadcasting live from Banyan Treats of our last day at ARN Business Club, but they're going to be here tomorrow as well. Up next, we're going to be talking Gulf food. Do High prices put you off trying new restaurants and some of Courtney's recent travels too. Courtney Brunt is with us in the studio. Um, There's so many new restaurants opening, Courtney. Um, And I always feel a bit like I don't even know how to make sense of where's worth the money or my time because let's be honest... Um, I'm probably only going out once every couple of weeks. Um, how do you decide, you know, amid the the invites, the press releases, the buzz about where you should go? Who's worth your attention, your expertise? I am, since I've moved, as I say, to the end of Dubai, to Imar South, it, you know, I really am very mindful selective. of where I go. Selective. Hmm. What, is, what is worth going out there? I think if you are new to Dubai or you've been here a long time, your traditional trades are great. So your What's On or Fact Magazine, they know and they know well in advance. Mm-hmm. And I trust both teams there, both Alice and David, are doing excellent jobs as editors and their teams are fantastic. For me, I'm, of course, going to always skew a little bit on the fancy side. So for me, for example, this week, the link, which is at the one and only Zabil, 
Wow. We, they have a lineup there. I think a pretty hefty marketing budget on that opening party. My gosh. Yes, J-Lo. Yeah. Shout out. Hi, J-Lo. <laughs> Didn't get to see you. Um, but can you back it up, I guess, is, is the question. So, I think you can. I think in this case, they've invited, they've done their homework. This is, you know, Kersner at the end. And so Diverja, which is Chef Debbie's number one chef in the world. Mm-hmm. He's there and he's showing up. I saw him. He was over at the Atlantis, I think, in November and I met him and and he's very serious about bringing his kind of product and concept over. And that's exciting for us. Um, We've got Cabu by uh, Chef Paco Morales. Um, So they're also fitting into the market in a way that isn't really offered in other places. And I think that's very smart to say, what can we offer that's something a little bit different, a little unique? For someone like Chloe, who is, you know, new to the UAE and, as I said, you know, time, time is tight. Um, I was going to say kind of getting out and about into different neighborhoods can be can be um, a time-consuming endeavor, but time at market, probably a really efficient way of doing it. It is, and we've done a book club there or two, but whenever people ask me, I honestly say... Go to Time Out Market. It has the best of the city. It's all locally developed. Everything you want is there. And if you really, something resonates with you, you could always go then to that restaurant or to that group. Go to the OG. And they're, yes. and they're constantly evolving as well, which I think, you know, they, they are agile enough to be bringing in new places. You know, we, ha- we had um, the team from uh, Cafe Isam last week talking Thai. And by the way, so you can go to Time Out Market and have a kind of, you know, casual, free, easy, pick, pick this up, you know, watch the fountains. Or you can book the editor's table and they will bring the food to you so i feel like if you have got guests in town i do this i did this with my parents you will impress them it is it's an exceptional thing and it's you feel so kind of like vip in a city that is all vip uh yeah like top tip book the editor's table you will not regret it i've got my in-laws in town and i was thinking about doing this next week (laughs) i don't think they're listening so i think i can safely say this my father-in-law is obsessed with dubai fountains to the point where he will go and film them Endlessly, he's you know, in the right spot. Will 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 watch not not properly watch through his phone. I don't know what happens to the footage. <laughs> this is what I can't work out. I'm like, what? Do you show it to people? Supercut YouTube. I have no idea. Maybe he's a secret fountain influencer, and I've just got no idea. Um, so I think I need to treat treat the in laws, the senior farmers, to a bit of a uh, bit of time at market next week. Um, but this, which brings me to a story: Hypers killed the joy of trying new restaurants. This idea of having a beautiful meal and then this sense of dread when the bill comes or indeed, you know, look at, looking at the prices you go along and not being able to be in the moment because it's prohibitive. Yes. What, what's the read you're getting on the market? So this is a Bon Appetit uh, article that really resonated with me. So essentially, currently, diners are happy to pay for the restaurants they know. So we're it's a known entity. We Comfort love zone. this product. We love this pizza pit fire shout out. Uh, but in the same time, if something's new, it is becoming increasingly difficult to go and convince diners to say, okay, try this new thing. Trust us. Spend that money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it all comes back to, you know, I'll, it's my job, but I'm trying to get to more places because I do need to go out and see what's worth the money. And in a one of the busiest, most competitive markets in the world, where should you spend your durhams? I think it's interesting because there's a couple of ways of looking at it. There is this idea of you know, experts in their field, you know, as you mentioned, the kind of the established publications, you know, your what's on your facts. Um, you've got, and I hate the word, but I'm going to use it with you, your kind of your influences because you are you know, influential in your space. And then I guess it's word of it's word of mouth as well. It's these kind of peer-to-peer recommendations. Because 
I think there's, it, that's kind of who I trust. It's someone that I can sit across from, you know, have a coffee with and go, and that, I saw a friend last night, she was like, oh my God, we had the best roast dinner last week. Or, you know, and, and really hearing it from people that you know and like and understand your price point, understand your priorities and, and what you would enjoy. You went to, I think, is it Mano, the Italian restaurant, oh, the two guys, so and I good. still haven't been, and it keeps popping up. And I'm like, you know what? I, it sticks with me. Helen really enjoyed it, or Liam really enjoyed it. And those are two people I trust. Yeah. So I really want to go to, it's a very expat thing, and that's kind of something I love is that we do have this oh have you heard have you heard have you been have you tried um, I do really love that about this city I would like to give a shout out and I say this not as an expert but as a food lover um, the roast dinner at the guild last week was absolutely exceptional to the point where my husband when we were waiting for the car emailed them to book Christmas dinner there well done the guild in fo- in February Mr. Farmer was like, I don't know if you're doing Christmas dinner, but that roast dinner was so good, we'd like to book it. Top marks. It was excellent. So if you're looking for somewhere to go this weekend, uh, that would be a massive recommendation from me. Courtney Brandt is with us in the studio. We love your recommendations. Where are you going this weekend? What are you eating? From Yorkshire Boy to the incredible Emirates Palace Mandarin Oriental via a bit of Gordon Ramsay. We're speaking now to Chef George Lyons from Broadway. He was the youngest head chef in the Gordon Ramsay Group history. He has worked in restaurants that have earned three double uh, um, rosettes and inclusion in Michelin. He's made TV appearances. He's even cooked for the Beckhams and he speaks to us now. Chef George Lyons, how are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm really well. Great to have you with us. I know Fridays are a little bit hectic, understatement of the year, um, in the kitchen. So <laughs> thanks for making the time for a bit of a catch up. Um, where are you from? I heard Barnsley's in the mix somewhere there. Yeah, I'm, I'm originally from uh, from Barnsley in uh, South Yorkshire. Uh, hometown uh, group there and then uh, fled the nest at 18 down to London. So. Tell, tell us about growing up then. Who was cooking and what are some of the foods or I guess maybe the smells that take you back to being a kid, Chef? Honestly, I'd love to give you a romantic story about um, <laughs> how food was very prominent and my mum cooked every meal, but um, no. both my parents worked. So it was... Uh, it was kind of down to me and my two brothers um and that's kind of where i started to cook and started to enjoy it and then this, there was obviously the smells from my grandma's house where I cooked classics such as like braising steak and onions for my granddad every day um, he had the same <laughs> diet until the day that he died so it was wow. um, that's crazy it's quite a unique uh, household it's yeah. interesting isn't it because i'm you know much the same as you you know my parents were working and it was only when i got to kind of my late teens even into my early 20s that I realized that food could be like really elevated you know before you start to go into some really impressive restaurants have you had these kind of like I guess your first light bulb moment that you know food it wasn't just fuel like food was you know communication and celebration and you know something quite special was there a restaurant or a meal that really opened your eyes I think um I think for me Obviously, I started in the kitchen at the age of 13, so I could see, obviously, the hospita- hospitality side of it there. Uh, but one meal that definitely stood out for me is um, I ate on the chef's table at Zach Bain's uh, Two Michelin Star in 2017, which is quite recent, actually. But honestly, it just opened my eyes to amazing flavours and, and what could actually be done with ingredients. It's so simple, but the way he produces the food that they serve and the story that they tell is um, is amazing, yeah. 
Chef, can I ask you about Gordon Ramsay? He was a mentor for a long time. And as I said, you were the youngest head chef he ever appointed in the group. What role do you think mentors can and maybe should have in the the life, the career of a young chef? What impact did he have on you? I think um, for me personally, I think that a lot of the team that he'd grown from Royal Hospital Road and Claridge's and then who took over at the Savoy, their leadership skills were very very driven and direct mm. um, but the what I'm seeing currently is that we, we need to nurture chefs especially mm-hmm. in this day and age mm-hmm. um, and I think that for me it was I wanted to be there to learn and I wanted to push myself and and be the best um, and I think that that's what the Ramsey group taught me um, but I think moving away from there and and being my own head chef and looking after my own team. I think it's about people that want to be accountable for what they do. Uh, Mm -hmm. They want to be in a happy environment and that's where people thrive. Um, It's not everyone that wants to be in this industry and that's that's, that's quite a difficult thing to take. But the more that we put into our team um, and develop them uh, and move them forward, I think that's how we get the best out of people. Um, and leadership, like I say, so, sorry for cutting you No, 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 I want to hear. Um, I think that leadership, um, especially in the Ramsey group, we worked exceptionally hard. Um, and there were stand- standards that were set, which have pushed through my career to date. Um, but I think we just do it a little bit differently, especially here at the Emirates Palace and Broadway, where mm-hmm. the team want to be at work. They want to be enthused um, to, to learn things and, and grow. And that's where I'm finding leadership a little bit easier than uh, shall we say back in England in London <laughs> a different way of bringing out the best in people well, we're <laughs> going to be exploring the menu at Broadway next delighted to have live on the line from Emirates Palace Mandarin Oriental chef George Lyons In conversation now with Chef George Lyons from Broadway in our nation's capital, the Emirates Palace, Mandarin Oriental. Um, I wanted to ask you about the concept of Broadway, and I really hate the word concept, to be honest, when we're talking about restaurants. But if anyone that hasn't been through your doors, Chef, how do you describe the philosophy on food, the atmosphere? What's the vibe? Personally, the, the concept, shall we say, is um, amazing French food, um, great vibes, live music. Um, obviously we have our, our theatre at the back uh, three days a week uh, but for me it's focused on great produce um, cooked very well by me and my team and then delivered to a high standard from our service team with uh, a great beverage option that we have so we have um, a great wine bar great bar um, two terraces and 250 seats we have so it's a very big wow. venue uh, with a great vibe in terms of um, layout, I feel like, you know, obviously you're at one of, one of the best hotels in the Middle East. Um, so you're going to have obviously the guests and, and residents coming through. How is it laid out in the sense that it's not going to feel too big? You know, how, how have you guys been clever with the space? So there's that sense of, of intimacy, I guess, especially, um, you know, if, if it's early on in the evening. Yeah, so we, we're very fortunate, actually. So... Obviously, we're in the amazing Emirates Palace. Uh, we're a completely different outlet to what the, the hotel actually offers currently. So we have um, little snippets of the restaurant 
where currently we're in the lounge. Um, you can't see it, obviously, because we're on radio, but um, we're in the lounge, which is quite nice and intimate. Um, low tables, great for a chilled evening. And then we have, when you first enter the restaurant, we have a few high tables, more of a bar vibe. Um, and then, like I say, it's split where we have the wine bar with a few more dining tables, which is completely different to the rest of the, of the, um, the restaurant. Mm-hmm. depending on what type of vibe you're looking for of an evening um, we have a great terrace as I mentioned which is split from the restaurant um, some great low tables for dining and then obviously our high tables for the bar so and we have live Vibe, music vibes everywhere uh, oh you, well yeah. let's talk about entertainment because um, I understand you've got a world famous magician I mean to be honest I went to a brunch recently and the magician, bless him, could not get away from me. I'm like, I've got good food, I've got my friends, I'm being entertained, I could not be happier. How do chefs feel about the rise of dinnertainment? Do you feel like it's a distraction to the food or a compliment? Look, I think what we, what we offer is we offer a, a package which runs alongside um, our magician DMC, who's incredible at his craft. Uh, like we are incredible at our craft in the restaurant. So mm-hmm. I think it combines both elements very well. Um, and like I say, when you come to Broadway, you come for a magical experience. So we deliver that with the food and drinks <laughs> foremost. And then obviously we, um, the we actual have our, magic. Um, yeah, our magician in, uh, in our little pop-up theatre we have in the back. So, yeah. Chef, I want you to make us hungry. If we're going to come to Broadway this weekend and you have the opportunity to put together a menu that you feel really reflects you and the restaurant, could you put a little starter main dessert together for us? Yeah, I think, I think for me, we have quite a few signatures currently. So obviously from my background in London, um, we'll start with the starters. So for me, we have an amazing foie gras terrine with a spiced gingerbread and a spice apple chutney. So it's really oh, tasty, yeah. super rich, uh, but delicious. And then for main course, you have to try our, our take on a beef wellington. Obviously I spent so many years uh, working <laughs> for Gordon, we've, we've tweaked it a little bit. Um, and for dessert, I think you've got to go for a very homely, delicious sticky toffee pudding um, that's been developed for, for years that I've been working. So. Um, that that would be my three course choice if I uh, if I was eating Broadway. Sold. Eight o'clock booking, please, Chef George Lyons. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it, um, Chef George Lyons, speaking to us from Broadway there. Joining us live in our studio at Banyan Tree, we've got Marvin Albali. He is industry insider and the author of the best-selling book, Restaurant Excellence, where he talks restaurateurs, waitstaff, F&B titans, everything from great service to the spreadsheet. How are you, Marvin? I'm doing great. And before I begin, uh, just to let you know, a friend of mine asked me the other day, he said, are you going to be back on the Helen DeGeneres show? <laughs> So, so I was like, no, I'll be back on the Helen Farmer show, which is more inclusive and definitely far more intellectual. I tell you that. Helen. Oh, I, so I, I don't want you to ask me hard questions. That's why I'm starting nice. Oh, I'm, you're, you're buttering me up. I had a message the other day saying um, the Alan Farmer show is my favorite. And I was like, keeping me humble, said Alan. <laughs> um, now, we're going to talk about some global and local food trends. But one of the big 
kind of thrust, I guess, of your book, the overall arching message, is how to run a restaurant well. The nuts and bolts, and that's sometimes the, the little daily tweaks and decisions, but sometimes it is about the really, really big decisions too. So I wanted to ask you about consistency, which is, I know is something you're really passionate about. Why is that such a key ingredient I guess in running a successful restaurant wow you read the book really well I have read the book Uh, you know um, Anthony Bourdain who's my idol and I think the idol of many Mm -hmm. said the beast the religion of any restaurant is consistency and in my book I say consistency determines consumers trust or the lack of it Mm -hmm. it's the hardest thing to achieve for independent restaurant it's a lot easier for franchise restaurants. So Why is that? Because the, the American franchise model is so uh, well set up, well-oiled machine. They've been doing it for 30, 40, 50 years. And it's the same food throughout the world. Like if you think of McDonald's, same recipe, same supplier, same training. Independent mm. restaurants, they operate a lot with creativity. And they don't have the franchise power of having 50 people at the corporate office developing SOPs for you. Mm-hmm with the same equipment, with the same smallware. So that's why hotels and independent restaurants struggle a lot with consistency. When we're talking about consistency, are you talking about the ability for me to go back to the same restaurant, order the same meal and have the same experience, the same you know, components on a plate cooked in the same way? Are, are, you, to, are you talking about consistency of quality? You know, being able to go back and say, because there's nothing worse when you have a great meal and then you take friends a few weeks later and then it's absolute garbage. Oh, we're talking about both aspects. We're talking about both, both. And uh, quality for sure. And also portion size, presentation and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you've got any questions for Marvin, you're more than welcome to reach out. We've had some really interesting messages in the past from people who work in F&B, but maybe you are a diner who wants to understand a little bit more about the restaurant. Um, Irfan's saying, what are Marvin's thoughts on restaurants that have large menus? <laughs> Because some I'm, I'm, are, are like telephone directories. <laughs> More cafe, I'm looking at you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of large menus. And a shout out here to Jason Atherton, whom I worked with. So Jason Atherton, when we worked together at the Intercontinental Marina, mm-hmm. had only 28 dishes, Helen. This was a Marina Social? Yes. 28 dishes. We were extremely successful. Um, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. Mm-hmm. And a lot of operators and restaurant owners, they think, I want to satisfy everybody, so I'm going to have a large menu. But with large menus, you have more mistakes, more training needed, more items on the shelves. Uh, actually, confusing the consumer, too many well, choices lead to no choice. To my mind, it's a trust thing as well. Yeah. I'm like, how can this you know, man or woman in the kitchen make a great pad thai, but also a fantastic steak pie, and then also turn on you know, some Italian charm? And then we, it, I kind of go, mm, master of none a lot of the time. Interestingly, when we're talking about sustainability as well, you know, studies show time and time again that the, the tighter the menu is, the less waste you're going to have. And it, it, vo- it kind of helps people avoid over-ordering as well because sometimes you go, oh, we'll get one of those and we'll get one of those to the table and, 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 and then, you know, food waste to the max. That's true. But, you know, it's difficult for um, ethnic restaurant, Chinese, Lebanese, you know, Chinese restaurants are well known for many menu items. And if you have a smaller menu item, it's a problem in China. Really? Yeah, and with the Lebanese cuisine as well, you know, the amount of maza, mezzas and all of that. So it's more challenging for ethnic restaurants. That's interesting. Uh, Marvin Albali with us today. (laughs) 
He's the author of the best-selling book, Restaurant Excellence. He has worked across hotels, franchises, independence, consulting in the restaurant business. Marvin Albali is with us today. And loads of questions for you. So, Carl asking, because he works in F&B, does he get called Starving Marvin? <laughs> Often. Do you really? <laughs> yes. Perfect. Perfect. Um, now, don't forget, you can get in touch on 4001. You've got the app, you've got the WhatsApp, or you can give us a call. It's 04871 And we've got Mio with a question for you, Marvin. Mio, how can we help? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can. What's your question to Marvin? Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Mio. Uh, I'm based in Dubai now. Also preparing for the Japanese beef supply company called Wagyu Master. Uh, I have a question for you, Marvin. Uh, what do you think about the future of Japanese restaurant in Dubai? Interesting question. Now, she's obviously got some skin in the game because she's working with fantastic Japanese <laughs> produce there. But we saw a huge explosion of Japanese restaurants, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And we do get the occasional Japanese gem popping up as new ones. What do you think the future of Japanese restaurants are in the city? I think it's only going to grow because the, the consumers are far more educated. Mm. I think 15 years ago, if you told someone I'm going for Japanese food, not everyone was aware or knowledgeable about Japanese food beyond, uh, beyond sushi and sashimi. Now, you know, Itatako, Tomo's been there forever. Uh, Reef Uthman, I want to give a sh- shout out to Reef Uthman because Reef Uthman, what he's done in terms of creativity and in terms of making great Japanese food affordable is really highly appreciated. And I also think there's a, a big shout out for those homegrown heroes like, you know, Ruth, who is Exuma, we should say, you know, in terms of, you know, got an amazing pedigree. But we used to get really excited about, you know, the likes of Zuma coming here. And they're still doing incredibly well, what, you know, with diners and on, on the on the list. But to see, you know, brands that have started here doing well in the Japanese space, is really exciting. Thanks, Mio. Um, Hibba saying, I'd like to ask Marvin what his thoughts are about influences in the F&B industry in the UAE. He's smiling. Uh, I don't have the best relationships with influencers. <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> Do you want to tell us a story? Uh, <laughs> Do you want to illustrate with an example? Uh, so, look, as long as influencers are knowledgeable, mm. and you, you do not become an expert because you eat out a lot. Actually, it's mentioned in my book. And, and, you know, that's how a lot of people go into the restaurant business because they eat out a lot, travel a lot, and, th- and they think they know it. But unfortunately, after a year in business, they shut down. You know that the restaurant business has the highest failure rate than any other business in the world. Mm-hmm. So what I want to say, influencers, they help a lot in terms of awareness. They help a lot in showcasing the product as long as they don't turn into experts. That's interesting. And in terms of, you know, should you be incorporating influencers into your marketing plan? You know, should be, you know, allowing a certain number of free dinners per month in terms of getting the word out on Instagram or TikTok? Um, I, when, when I led uh, 776 restaurants in the region, be honest with you, Helen, only a few influencers helped us increase revenue when they came in and they did their work. Mm. Many, many of them, I haven't seen any, any impact on sales growth. No return on investment. Yeah. Um, to the text line, we go. Um, Tarek saying, I'm one of the chefs at Dubai World Trade Center. Amazing book, practical book, really informative and really reflects F&B life. My question is, the best way to reduce food cost in the kitchen. How significant is food cost in when you're thinking about, I guess, the pie chart of money going out for a restaurant? Sure. Um, you know, Helen, and the food cost, the prime cost are food and labor. And any restaurant in the world, these are the largest expenses. And rent comes third. Um, I don't like the term cost. I like the term managed cost. And 
cutting food co- managing food costs should never be on the account of quality. Never. I mean, we've spoken to some really interesting chefs over the last couple of years, especially around COP28, which the big message seems to be you can't improve what you don't measure. So are you seeing more and more restaurants and chefs literally weighing the food waste that's coming off plates? Yeah, for, for sure. And, and, you know, just to give Tarek some tips, Tarek, cross-utilization of ingredients. I'll give you an example. In, in my book, in, in Chapter 7, I talk extensively about that. So, for example, if you have a, a relatively expensive ingredient like shrimp, I wouldn't put shrimp only on one dish. I'll put, you know, if you have shrimp pasta, I'll do shrimp salad, surf and turf. I'll cl- cross-utilize my most expensive ingredients. I will also minimize the single-use ingredients. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't buy berries for only creme brulee. If you don't sell creme brulee, those berries are going to expire. For sure, right? So as well, you're minimizing, minimizing waste and pollution. Makes sense. Okay. Um, and Jasmine saying, I'm the new sales manager um, at Oka Fountain Views. It's a fantastic new gastro gaming concept. Love that. want to ask, how can you target your market for a new concept in the area? How can you find your people? How, you can, how can you... F- I mean, it's, it's a marketing game, right? Uh, it's a sp- spreading awareness. I would be generous in the beginning. I would uh, in- invite a lot of people, uh, complimentary, and this goes to the, bu- to the marketing budget. Mm-hmm. Or like kind of pre-opening expense, uh, kind of expense for marketing. Um, there's a ton of ways, you know, there are tons of ways, uh, email marketing, database, influencers, um, radio is <laughs> one of them. Thank you. <laughs> Waiting for that. Um, now, where I live in Jumeirah, um, there's been two new restaurants that have opened. One is the Cipriani Dolce dessert restaurant and one is next door. It's called NAC. And the queues out of those car parks with some, I should say, very, very, very nice cars. Um, the buzz has been crazy and what I would say is the ultimate influencer perhaps a member of the royal family I think that can be a real mark of you know you've, you've basically made it once you've had someone papped leaving and heading into a very low digit car <laughs> you're, you're pretty much set in Dubai I think it's safe to say no doubt there is a story that came out of Hill in the Palm mm-hmm. uh, they have a, their, their afternoon their high tea it looks like oh, a it's beehive beautiful you've seen it yeah it's like it, it, and they've got like it's just like beautiful desserts super photogenic yeah so shout out to Chef Casti who created that it was very very successful but then they hired an influencer who really helped he put one post about it and it just exploded from there see got to get the right people Um, speaking of the right people Marvin we've run out of time um, but we've had so many questions for you you will obviously have you back in a few weeks in the meantime we've had a number of people asking about restaurant excellence what's the best way of getting hold of it Um, they can go to my Instagram page restaurant excellence book or they can find me on LinkedIn Marvin Albali there you go if you want details send me the word book I'll send you the link Jeff Murad with us today from Asil at the Rixos Premium here in Dubai. We're having a little tour around Middle Eastern food. And as I said earlier, we're very lucky. There are some fantastic Middle Eastern restaurants here. But I think yours is somewhat set apart. You have one job and one job only, chef. Make me hungry. Uh, What are some of your favorite things on the menu? And what's going down really well with diners as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, as I told you, our menu is, uh, <clears throat> is a variation of Turkish, Lebanese, and Moroccan food. Okay, we make we make some, you know, amazing, uh, <coughs> amazing Lebanese classic, as you know, babanous or hummus. We don't know more hummus. We do some amazing hummus with truffle. Oh, you know, and you know, we'll does it work? Do, 
Yeah, it works really well. Very, very well, actually. <laughs> People love it. Yeah. Dubai, yeah. we love a bit of truffle. But <laughs> yeah. that's interesting to think yeah. about. I would, yeah. I would never put those flavors together. But yeah, it does. It does. So yes, I'll, need, I'll, need, I'll yeah. need to try it. Yeah, come in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does work really well, actually. Yeah. And grills? <coughs> yeah. And the grills, the grills, the grills at, uh, at Asil, you know, it's a must try. Honestly, we have, we have some amazing grills, you know. The two best grills for me in, uh, <coughs> in Oriental cuisine are Turkish and Lebanese. Mm-hmm. We have the two. Yeah, tick, <laughs> <You> tick. <know? laughs> yeah. We have we have some you know adanas from Turkey, which is just amazing, amazing flavors. And uh, <coughs> Anatasil, we cook all our grills to order. Oh wow, really? We never, never, never cook anything in advance, you know. To order, when it's ordered, we cook it straight away. It goes super fresh, super juicy, you know, because. You go to some places and grill, but the grills come dry, and then yeah, they've been in the, been on the path yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We were talking earlier with um, author and kind of industry insider uh, Marvin Albali about food wastage, really, and ultimately food cost being so so significant. And you know, when you are you know, an exec, exec chef, a lot of your time is not necessarily in the kitchen. Sometimes it's to do with spending some time at the spreadsheet as well. Yeah. So there's the food cost piece, but there's also the food waste and sustainability piece as well. Yeah. And this conversation has, you know, rightly come to the fore um, over the last few years. And I wondered, you know, what strategies are you employing at ASEAL to, to combat food wastage? Yeah, I mean, sustainability and food wastage is one of my uh, favorite, <laughs> favorite subjects, you, know, you know, because I love nature, I love things, you know, I... I take this, I take sustainability very seriously. Mm. Now, I think I can see a few things are very important. I mean, as a chef, you know, I'm, I'm talking as a chef. I think <clears throat> the first one for me is ordering. You know, we need planning. When you're ordering, is planning. I mean, you need to plan your ordering properly. Mm-hmm. You just need to order exactly what you need. You know, don't over order. And, and this is this is you as a as a as a chef. This is like the, the yeah. restaurant, and then yeah. I guess it's us as well as diners, yeah. not over ordering as well. Of course, <laughs> of course, of course, of course. Some diners are just over order. You know, I should you know. Sometimes I go to a restaurant. I love the menu. I do. I order by stage. You know, I order some stuff and see if you know it's enough, and then you know. work out how, how full <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's to be honest with you, in a restaurant you have lots of wastage. Sometimes lots of wastage coming back from customers actually, mm-hmm. and. We, we cannot do anything about that because it's very hard to to recover that because you know the hygiene the hygiene process we have to throw away. What about Ramadan, where mm. you know buffets mm. and this idea of mm. you know obviously dining being centered very much in the evening? Um, mm. What are your plans for Ramadan? Are you, any star dishes? Are you going to be doing things a bit differently? What are you scheming? It's coming up fast. Yes, yes. For Ramadan, I mean, I'm I'm against buffets because I think there's lots of wastage in buffets actually. Yeah. You know, in Asir we do, uh, you know, we serve we serve food on tables, you know, and uh, you know, and we have some amazing dishes, you know, from, you know, we have a midji from three countries, from Morocco, from things. We serve some nice tagines. We do our own bread, we sumunina bread. We do the. You know, we do consumption is like paratas, Indian paratas, you know, Ooh, these things. That sounds good. You know, we serve it with some, you know, amazing soups, you know, from Morocco, like harira. We always have two, three kinds of, uh, of soup. Desserts? Yeah. And do, you dessert, have, do you have a sweet tooth? Yes, we do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and for desserts, you know, we have, of course, you know, the knafa is always there, you know, and 
we do some ashtalias, Lebanese ashtalia, you know, and we do some nice things as well, like you know, nice, nice fruit salads. You know, we try not to waste a lot of Ramadan as well. You know, mm-hmm. like chef <laughs> outside of Ramadan, what's the vibe? Are we talking date night, group night, family meal, or everything? <coughs> yeah, I think everything. But you know, Asil enjoy Asil very well. I mean, night is very, very vibrant and it's very nice. And we do as well an amazing. <coughs> we have an amazing uh, Sundays. We have family. Uh, we have family brunch. You know, working very, very well. Some we tur- have, Turkish yeah. eggs. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Sold. <laughs> so, yeah, and we have, you know, of course, the Saturday brunch as well. It's very, 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 very interesting. Well, Chef, thank you for sharing your expertise, thank your you. stories. It's wonderful thank to have you in the UAE. Um, Isil is there at the Rixos Premium Dubai. If you want details, send me the word restaurant. Uh, we'll chat off air about what my ex-boyfriend was like to work with at Sketch. Um, and <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's open now. Uh, it is Farmer's Kitchen with me, Helen Farmer. Next weekend is going to be an even bigger one on the food front. It is Taste of Dubai. Three days of festival vibes, amazing chefs, workshops, licensed venues, music. It's going to be brilliant. And one of the chefs that's going to be there is Chef Lama Jamal, also known as Mamalu Kitchen. Chef, how are you? How are you? I'm great, thank you. I'm so happy to have you with us. You're such a friend of the show. We've cooked together. I've been in your kitchens. Um, You were raised between Lebanon and the UK. And for anyone that's not familiar with your story, Lama, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to work in food? Where did it all begin? Um, well, thanks, first of all, for having me, Helen. Uh, I've loved food, uh, like yourself, since I was a kid. And my mother was a great cook, so I was shadowing her in the kitchen. Then I studied hospitality and worked in hotels for a couple of years. When I moved to Dubai, I wanted to go back into that field, and I became a, a mother. So, first of all, we started with workshops, actually, for nannies and housekeepers mm-hmm. on, on you know, training staff, how to cook healthy meals, lunchbox packing, kitchen hygiene. And then it grew really organically where we started teaching children and the moms, corporates, and it became like a little fab, like cooking movement. You now have, of course, your own kitchens and your own produce as well. But can we go back to those days? Um, because I know you obviously share a lot of expertise with families and children. I feel like there's still quite a lot of cooking anxiety in the world you know we have amazing chefs on the show we have amazing chefs you know in our restaurants here and we've got some great home cooks as well but for a lot of people listening today and I include myself in this I love eating I do not love cooking and it's because I wasn't really taught you were lucky enough to have a mum who was a really great foodie but do you feel like there are an awful lot of people that get stressed out with the idea of cooking I think so definitely and it's really I mean, you can simplify things with kitchen gadgets and tools and, and you know, luckily now when you walk into supermarkets, you've got half the things chopped for you and, you know, uh, you've got a great frozen section of vegetables that are just as nutritious. So I think it's become much easier. It's not overwhelming. You just need to know a couple of basics um, and you can get really creative. And there's nothing really healthier in terms of lifestyle than being able to, to make your own meal in 15 minutes, you know, not like a labor of love of, uh, of a day, but just like a 30 minute made of whole foods, quick meal for yourself, for your family. I think it's, it's a game changer in, in terms of lifestyle. 
I was just listening to a podcast with um, Joe Wicks the other day, who I have to say, he's not my favourite. I find his accent really annoying. Um, but oh. what, <laughs> sorry, Joe, not that he's listening this afternoon. But um, I thought he made a really good point, which was like, there's so much information and misinformation out there. You know, we're t- told to, you know, eat keto, eat car- you know, eat carbs, don't eat carbs. You know, you need fuel, go vegan. But no, you need the iron from red meat. And it's really, really confusing. And his point was exactly what you just made, that by, you know, by cooking whole food for your family, you really can't go, go that far wrong with, you know, as keeping it as, as clean as possible. And I don't mean clean exactly. like, you know, you're going to have to, you know, grill fish and steam vegetables for three meals a day. But whole food yeah. cooked at home is really about as basic as it gets. But what about having things in your repertoire? Um, kind of, I guess, a bit of practice as well. When you're entertaining, what are some of your go-tos? Oh, that's such a good question. I just entertained, yesterday was Valentine's Day, right? Was it yesterday? Uh, and we had a, a couple over, we decided 7 p.m. we're going to stay home. And I opened up the fridge to see some leftovers. I think to have short crust pastry or phyllo or any sort of pastry in your freezer is essential because you can almost always whip up a tart in minutes like whatever vegetables you like you can make a savory tart sweet tart a little bit of cheese any vegetable and you've got yourself a galette you know so i did a tomato galette with goat cheese in about 10 minutes uh, not including oven time and then um i think any like like a curry paste is good mm-hmm. to have in your kitchen couple of cans of coconut milk because you can turn anything into a curry and that's a great so, make so true so true in a party right like it's just always like tarts uh, salads you're going to need your fresh vegetables and um i think the only thing i did order was salmon just to have your asian condiments your soy sauce your sesame oil your rice vinegar and you can just put that onto chicken onto shrimp onto mm. salmon put it in the oven and you've got a whole main course you're such a star. We're going to talk about what you're going to be up to at Taste of Dubai and easy freezy as well, making it even easier to feed your family. Exactly. Joining us um, live on the line from Mamalu Kitchen, we have got Lama Jamal. Joining us from Mamalu Kitchen, we've got Lama Jamal with us. Raised between the Lebanon and UK, she's been passionate about cooking since the age of four and is now on a mission to make it accessible from clueless wonders like me to children with her classes there at Mamalu. And you're going to be at Taste of Dubai next week. What's the plan? What are you going to be cooking up there? We're so excited. We're um, we're doing a workshop, I think, every day. We've got different time slots. And it's mostly for, um, you know, like a hidden vegetable recipe for those mummies out there. Um, We're using um, the air fryer to make a chicken parmigiana, um, nice, cheesy, healthy chicken that's not fried. (laughs) I like this. Did you say air fryer? <laughs> Tell yes. me more. Okay, here's a question for you. What is your least used gadget? Have you ever fallen prey to like a TikTok made me buy it or you saw something in the yeah. Black Friday sales and you bought something and you've never used it? I mean, I, I received it as a gift. I don't think what, I would what? buy one, but I've never... Um, the bread maker? It's a bread maker. I don't no, know. Not, like, just, no, just gathering dust? No. No, just gather. I think it's still in the box. <laughs> what about your most used kitchen gadget? What can be really useful as a time-saving hack for, for busy families? I mean, I love my... I've got this um, hand blender. I don't know if we can say brands, but it's yeah, like a... why not? Type, 
It's a Bamex hand blender because I make all my salad dressings. I eat a salad every day. And I feel like to spruce up a salad, you want to get funky with the uh, dressings. So blend your avocado or coriander or garlic or shallots. And I use the hand blender almost every day. Thank you for that. Um, can we talk easy for easy? Because as I said, you're, you're making easy food as, as accessible as possible through the classes. But even with products now, what's, uh, what's in the range and how has it been developing it? Yeah, so we've got our Easy Freezy products in Spinnies and Rachel uh, across the UAE. It's, again, making mom's lives easier. Um, we've got everything is preserve, preservative-free, uh, and it's all super labor-intensive things like mini moussakans that take a lot of time, kibbe, we've got smiley face pizza with hidden veggies, we've got a kid's range and an Arabic range, and most of them are just freezer to oven. So again, last minute entertaining, these do wonders. I always do my moussakhan and last minute entertaining um, in the air fryer as well, or in the oven. Really healthy, really delicious, and it looks like you've been in the kitchen all day. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Um, can we come back to hidden veggies? Um, um, because whenever we talk about food on the show, especially with kids, there's, it's a bit of an emotional topic for a lot of parents because, and I say this as a parent of a picky, strong-willed child, um, what are some of the, the veggies that can be really easy to put into a pasta sauce, to put into a, a pizza sauce, um, where they maybe won't, won't twig? Can you give us some tips from the top? I think like carrot and cauliflower are pretty safe, you know, and zucchini, quite mild in taste. Um, believe it or not, my kids won't touch a cauliflower if it's, you know, like miles away. But one of them does eat cauliflower soup. It's You add a bit of cream. They don't know what they're eating. So it does wonders. I also add a little bit of blended cauliflower in the mac and cheese. Um, so that, that goes really well. Yeah, I would say this. I think broccoli is a tough one. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm 41 and I don't like broccoli, so I, I, I get where my six-year-old's coming from. Um, Lama, lastly, you're a bit, of a, a bit of a superstar on the food scene and I know you like eating out as much as you like eating in. What are your plans for this weekend? Are you staying at home or any restaurant recommendations you can share with us today? Oh, um, we've got a barbecue tonight, so a lot of house things. And then tomorrow I'm, I'm, I'm going to need my easy freezy because some people are coming over. So no restaurant plans. But what have I tried that I really liked... Uh, uh, these days, I went to um, uh, Agatha. It just opened and it was really good. I had a seafood platter and it was so delicious. You're such a superstar. For anyone that wants to come along and do some classes together, and of course we've got you know, big spring break coming up, so fantastic chance for the kids to, kids to come along. Is there a calendar online? Where can people find out what you're cooking up and, and how to get involved as well? So the easiest thing, if you want to keep updated from month to month, because the classes depend on seasonality and ingredients, then just um, add your email on our website, www.mamlukitchen.com, and we can update you every month. Otherwise, our classes are online on our website, what's happening every month. And you can book the kitchen as well for private events and birthdays. Thank you so, so much. Um, speaking to us from Mamalu Kitchen, which is there, Dapachika at Nikhil Mall. I mean, the... I just had a quick look on the on the on the website. You've got nanny classes, so you've got sushi board feasts, you've got mini chefs soul food, pasta masterclass, and mini chefs as well. Thank you so much, and we'll see you at Taste of Dubai. Joined live from Banyan Tree, Dubai, by the general manager of this very property, Paul Sykes, with us. Thank you. 
and I say this in a heartfelt thank you for your hospitality this week for hosting the ARN Business Club. I will, I'm not going to say thank you for one thing, though. I am easily three kilos heavier at the end of this week. <laughs> We've been very well fed this week. Paul, how are you? I'm very well, Helen. Thank you very much. And you're very welcome. Thank you for being here as well. It's been a pleasure hosting you and the team. Um, I hope that the, t- the team has treated you well. Honestly, from the welcome at the valet to as I said the chefs everything has been absolutely flawless and I feel like we've only really had a taste of the Banyan Tree Dubai experience for anyone that's not familiar with the brand hasn't had a chance to visit the property yet can you kind of sum up I guess a bit about the the philosophy and what to expect yes of course well we're relatively new to Dubai we've only been open since December Uh, the company has been around for quite a long time it started in 1994 back in Thailand Uh, so now almost 30 years old and it's um multi-branded independent company uh, focusing on sustainability and well-being so it's a very zen kind of feel and vibe mm-hmm. to it that's also what we're trying to replicate in this particular property we're trying to do it like a very wellness um, resort uh, but also with a lively vibe in F&B do you know what's really unique about the positioning? And actually, Courtney Brandt touched on it earlier in terms of the views and the beach. You know, it, it is really peaceful and uninterrupted, but the access is fantastic here on Blue Water. It's like so well connected. Yes, that makes it very unique. Uh, and it's a unique setting point for the property because it is very easy to access. It's not a lot of traffic getting in or getting out. It's like a sanctuary in the city. And actually, we do call it a sanctuary for the senses. So oh, it, it fits in very well. <laughs> can we talk about food? It is Foodie Friday. Um, what are some of your favorite places to go? And I'm sure you're having an awful lot of lovely lunches and, and welcoming people and getting to know the city. Can you give us your insider take on where we should be heading? Well, I, I must admit, I feel very lucky to have such an experienced executive chef in the hotel like Christian Salin. Um, he has done a fantastic job in our property uh, we have two brand new restaurants opening, which is Alese, a Mediterranean style restaurant with a pool and beach element to it. Wow. And we also have Tocha, which is the Japanese tea house opening as well in the lobby section of the hotel. Oh, wow. So kind of like your rituals, your afternoon teas. Exactly. Yes. We're That's adding all of that onto it. And those are two very unique new proposals for the property. And of course, we have Demon Duck that's been around for quite a while. I have Such to say, a vibe. Yeah, Alvin Lung has done a fantastic <laughs> job there. I mean, that's the one place my wife always says every Saturday night she wants to go to Demon Duck. I don't blame her. Um, and in terms of, I guess, who's coming by, you know, in terms of demographic, hotel feels, you know, really buzzing, as you said. Um, are we seeing lots of Dubai diners and residents coming to enjoy, you know, the pool and enjoy dinner? Or is, is most of it from people outside of the UAE? Well, we do have, most of the guests do come from outside the UAE. Uh, We are looking at having more local guests in the hotel. We do have a lot of people that come and spend a day in the property, Mm. uh, particularly in the pool and beach area, or actually coming to have dinner in Dimandok or Takahisa, which is another phenomenal restaurant within the property. Uh, But we are looking at mostly the UK market, uh, the Russian market um, at the moment, but we are looking to expand into a wider variety of different market segments. You are just two months here in Dubai, Paul. What are your first impressions of our fantastic city? Well, I love it. Yeah, correct admit, answer. Uh, <laughs> you, you can stay. <laughs> <laughs> the weather is great. Um, people are very nice and friendly and it's very safe. So I have a, a wife and a young daughter, so it's perfect for a family environment. Well, you're going to absolutely love it and I have to say, you know, really making your mark. And I think a lot of people hugely excited to have you in this spot, as I said. It's a beautiful, beautiful property and loads, loads more to come. So, again, thank you. I'm going to have another little snack before I go and pick up my car from the valet. 
Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.